And the person interviewing me wrote those words down, looked up from his piece of paper and said to me, so do you think we're going to like that? Yeah, I, I do what I do today, Kathy, because of a fourth grade field trip. No credit to me, just me fumbling along with what I knew at the time and the dog being very forgiving of my mistakes. So there's this scene in Midnight Cowboy where Dustin Hoffman is walking across the street and a taxi almost runs him over. And he slams his hand on the hood and goes, Hey, I'm walking here. It's this penultimate New York moment, this idea of a human being against a taxi basically saying, fuck off, you're in my space. You know, in a city that has more than 8 million people, there's actually an array of perspectives about personal space. And for the most part, New Yorkers are really good at just kind of being in their own space. It was something that I realized when I first moved away from my most densely urban area. I mean, I grew up in the suburbs of Philadelphia. I went to school in Chicago. I lived in San Francisco. I spent a lot of time in LA. I traveled around Europe. And then I moved to Las Vegas, where there's an enormous number of people. But the culture is a very horizontal culture. You know, ranch land reverse engineered to urban. And even in the spaces like the casinos where it's incredibly crowded, you've got people who aren't really minding personal space. And what I've been thinking about this week is when someone else's behavior crosses over with mine or someone else's space crosses over or comes up against my own, how do I handle that? Do I make it my problem? Do I turn into a raging lunatic? Well, that's what I talk about this week. Hey there, everybody. I'm Kathy Brooks, your host for Talk Unleashed, the weekly untethered view of what communication can really look like when we're prepared to be radically honest, radically authentic, and radically compassionate, conscious communication. It's what I coach, it's what I do, and each week on the podcast, that's what I get to share. Sometimes just my musings and sometimes in conversation with remarkable human beings. After taking a couple of weeks off to close out the summer, we are back. Back with some exciting new episodes and some new perspectives about what unleashing conversation actually means. So this week, it's me and my musings after a very brief trip to Gotham. So get your own space, mind your own business, and listen up, because this is Talk Unleashed. So I'm on my way back from New York City and I just, it just, I don't know that it'll ever not blow my mind that this super concentrated space, specifically Manhattan, but the city of New York, New York metropolitan area has more than 8 million people, 8 million that's a lot of people in such a small area. And they're just, they're stacked on top of each other. And there are these buildings as you drive down. I came down uh, FDR Drive and I'm looking up at these buildings and the windows are you know, relatively small, you know, coming from the West Coast where you have these high ceilings and large spaces where, you know, the apartment ceilings are lower, which means you've got more units in any given building. It's just, it's a lot of people. 
And so you would think, you would think that in a space where people are accustomed to being kind of right on top of each other, that people would have a really acute, kind of exquisitely sensitive attention to personal space, to minding the space between themselves and other people. And as I was walking around Manhattan the last couple of days, what became abundantly clear to me is that, I don't know if this is a COVID thing or the times that we're in, or just because I've been living out West for so long and living in the country for the last number of months. And and I just have a different perspective on what personal space looks like and feels like and what it means to be up close to people. But I had some experiences that were, were really interesting both in in the way that people were 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 behaving and the way i experienced it and you know there were really two completely different kinds of experiences what's interesting is one of them was a woman the other two which were very similar were actually both men uh the experiences with men involved dogs you know so i you know i could probably say oh well they were dog people and so this but i don't i think that if i were to do this experiment frequently enough through different neighborhoods in new york i i think it would be irrespective of gender or whether or not people had dogs i don't know that those particular data points are relevant. So here's what happened. So I'm I'm in this bagel place. It's called Bagel Bob's, which is a hilarious name for a bagel place. And I'm standing in line and the woman who's standing in front of me is standing about four feet back from the person in front of her. And the line in front of her is moving forward, but she's not moving. And it's very clear that she is guarding pretty much the same window of space behind her. Because when I stepped forward a little, thinking that when the people in front of her moved forward, she was going to do the same, she shot me a look that I swear to God, it could have disintegrated concrete, like Superman laser vision kind of deadly stare. And so I just kind of held my space. I was in no particular hurry. And I just started observing her. Now she, her behavior, her body language, her demeanor is what one might typically call a stereotypical New Yorker. This fuck you, get out of my space, who the hell do you think you are kind of set of the face and shoulders. Even the tone of her voice when she was addressing the guy behind the counter to place her order had this, you know, sense of aggressive entitlement and and I just thought to myself my first thought was well as you might imagine my first thought is fuck you who do you think you are and then I paused for a second and I thought what if she's really not over the whole people being near each other thing like what if she's pissed that people aren't still maintaining six feet of spacing and she's holding on to that last four feet as tightly as she can what if she's not feeling well and doesn't want to get someone sick or she's immune compromised and doesn't want to get sick? Maybe she's just having a bad day. Or, you know, maybe she is just actually an asshole. But the point of it is, it doesn't really matter. 
like it, it literally doesn't matter that I, I was making it my problem when it really wasn't my problem. And, you know, in that moment, I just took a deep breath and I kind of stepped back a little bit and let her kind of do her thing. And now change that to the two experiences I had almost back to back, both cases of a guy walking a dog. And from a distance, I could see that these were dogs for very different reasons. One was clearly a puppy that is learning social skills and learning not to jump on people and pull on the leash leash and all that. And the other looked to be a little bit older, maybe a year, year and a half. And, and that dog's reactivity seemed to be toward other dogs on leashes. And, and these were two separate instances uh, that were about an hour apart in two different locations. But in both cases, what I noticed was that the guys walking these dogs were exquisitely attentive to the environment around them. They were really paying attention to the people, their surroundings, the amount of space they had, where their dog was standing in relation to them, maintaining their dog's focus and attention when they were passing by or close to the thing that was you know, stimulating the dog, keeping the dog's attention, keeping the dog calm, and then when the dog maintained calm past the stimulus, rewarding the dog for the behavior. Now, you could say it's because these are people who are training their dogs and they know that their dogs have reactivity to certain things and, you know, they're just being good dog owners. But I know lots of people and have seen lots of people and saw a lot of people specifically in the last couple of days with dogs that might have fit these two categories who didn't have this exquisite sense of attentiveness this this attentiveness that wasn't just about them and their space and their experience but equally equally attentive to the experience of the people around them this sense of not only do I want to do right by my dog I really want to be doing right by my community and I thought about it and And I started thinking back over the the, the last couple of days, whether it was standing on a subway platform or on the subway or witnessing someone get on the subway who uh, had a crutch and had a knee brace and was clearly in physical discomfort and uh, watching how I offered him my seat and he wouldn't take it. But then another guy offered him a seat and he took the man's seat. And, you know, he was a young guy and I kind of looked at him and he kind of blushed and clearly it's like he didn't want to displace a woman. He was being respectful. Now, I could have gotten all twisted of, you know, who does he think he is and, you know, how dare he, you know, oh, he'll take his seat, but not mine. And instead it was just, he was just trying to be polite. And how often do I immediately jump to judgment of other people and, and just how much friction do I create in doing that and, and, and do it in my own, just my own experience of the day. Me getting twisted about somebody else's behavior doesn't hurt anybody but me. And that's actually not true. It, it hurts me, but then it also, it also impacts anybody else that I interact with for the balance of the day. Because me getting twisted means I'm going to be that much off balance when I interact with the next person. Or it could just be, you know, I cross paths with another empath and they 
have an experience of me merely by being in my orbit. You know, there's something to living in a more rural, physically distanced type of space where it's a conscious choice to be in close proximity to other people. That it is a conscious decision. And so when I make that decision, I make it knowing that there's going to be potential friction, knowing that I get to be responsible about the way I move around in that space. And for people who it's not, I mean, it's a conscious choice. They've chosen to live in these places, but for some people, it's not necessarily a conscious choice. It's maybe where they were born and raised and their whole family has lived. And to them, it it doesn't occur to them to live somewhere else. I was talking with a friend several days ago, might've even been last week, kind of lost track of time, but I was talking with a friend and she was talking about moving somewhere. I said, well, where do you want to live? And she's only really ever lived in one place or nearby, which is the place where she grew up and where her family lives. She even went to school in the area there. I said, well, you know, there's a lot of other places. Like we live on a a planet that's pretty big. And even we live on a continent in a country that's pretty substantial with lots of different cities and places, all with different cultures and temperate climates and cold climates and hot climates and humidity and trees and desert and, you know, find the place that feels right. If it doesn't feel right, don't do it. And that we have agency, that we have choice. What a blessing that we have. There are a lot of people who maybe don't have that choice. I I realize I'm saying this from a place of, of privilege, that I have the privilege of flexibility of making those kinds of choices uh, there are resources at, at my disposal, whether it's friends or work or what have you. I, I get that. I get that. And, and I also get that I can choose, no matter where I am, I can choose how I'm going to interact with that place. I can choose whether that place is going to be good or bad. Because the truth is, it's not good or bad. It just is. I'm making the choice about how I interact in the space, how I experience the space, and what kind of day I have on any given day. I made a very, very conscious choice for the days that I was in New York that I I was just going to love every damn minute. I was going to soak up every second and bring joy to every experience that I had and and embrace every person that I met and even the friction that I had. And what's interesting is I had blessed little friction, blessed little friction. And in fact, I had what I describe as the antithesis of friction. I went into an ice cream place. I had lunch with a friend and then I met another friend and we were chatting and we went to this ice cream place and went through this long process of what ice cream did we want? And I settled on cherry chocolate chip and pistachio, a scoop of each. And at the end, the guy says to us, we said, how much? And he smiled. He said, well, actually our entire computer system is down. So, uh, the ice cream's free. My friend and I look at each other and we look at him and we look at each other and we look at him and we're like, I'm sorry, did you just say that we're getting free ice cream? And he said, yes. And I felt like somebody just gave me the best present. 
And so we enjoyed our ice cream and had a great time. And then we, you know, walked. We had made plans to uh, go get manicure pedicures. So we went and we got Benny Petties. We found this place and they gave us our own, you know, private room. And we had a, what felt like a multitude of people taking care of us. And it was just delightful. And then, you know, my friend had some errands to do and I had some work to do. So I hunkered down to get some work done and do some calls. And she came back. I'd made us a reservation for dinner and we step into the restaurant and the manager had been so nice. And the manager comes up to us and they sent over a free dessert. They comped our dessert. No, she didn't. No particular reason. She just enjoyed our company. She thought we were delightful people in the restaurant and we had brightened her day. I had two free desserts yesterday, which is, you know, kind of awesome. I mean, I don't know that it's that great for my cholesterol and my sugar, but you know what? It was pretty damn good. So the point of all of this, dear listeners, is I can make a choice. We can make a choice. You can make a choice. And you can choose how you're going to be in a space. And if a space doesn't feel right, change the space you're in. And if you can't change the space you're in, just try and change your attitude. Might find that it kind of works out. We did it again another episode of Talk Unleashed. It's so great to have you here. And you know what would be even more great if you could scoot over to Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, maybe even Spotify, and leave a review. Over on Apple, you actually have the chance to say a little bit about the episode. Spotify, just throw some stars on there, hopefully five. It helps us get seen and helps ensure that this conversation and conversations like it keep getting heard by the people who need to hear them. So do us a favor, hop on over and leave a review. And in the category of saying awesome things about awesome people, huge thanks to my producer, John McLean and the team at Monster Sound and Picture. They are just the best. And if you've got ideas or questions or feedback, I read all the email that comes in. So feel free to toss a message to talkunleashed at gmail.com. That's talkunleashed at gmail.com. Let me know what you like, what you don't like, who you want to hear from, all the groovy stuff. And most of all, thank you. Thank you for listening, for being part of the conversation, and for keeping the conversation going. See you next week.